computer. All right. All right, welcome. Uh, today I get a chance to talk with my good friend um, Shane. Um, we have a couple things that we've overlapped on. Um, Shane lives in California, uh, did recently until this most recent chapter that's taken them all, all over, all over the place. Um, we, um, just a fun guy, both love God, both love adventure, both of us are really excited to teach people about God in a way that makes sense for, for both of us. Um, I use a lot of my surfing and you'll hear a lot of, um, how God's working through Shane's life, through the lifestyle that him and his wife and kids have chosen to really lean into, which, which is amazing. And uh, I'm just glad you can be with me, bro. Yeah, man. It's good to be here. Stoked to hang out and talk. Yeah. And love technology, the fact we can do this in different places. Yeah, it's super, super nice. So, I, you know, I got – I've um, I've surfed since I was a kid. That's a part of my upbringing. My father got me a boogie board, uh, I think, when I was eight. And he he was always a surfer, but I was too scared to go out there when I was a little kid. Uh, and then when I was 12, I rode my first wave on my boogie board and I stood up on it. And then my father took me and got me a a five eight double swallow quad surfboard that I had for a year. Um, this was 1986, and surfing's been a part of my life ever since. And, and I'm leading with that because um, some of the things that we that we make a part of our life growing up, they really impact sort of how we relate to people. And I've always used surfing as a way to just enjoy my life and, and connect with people. Um, and at what point did you get into <laughs> being outdoors and yeah. I mean, dude, we're, I mean, similar stories in that. Like I didn't grow up near the beach, but I grew up near the mountains. And so, um, my parents, they owned a, a mining claim up in the Sierra Nevadas is California. And we would spend most of our weekends all throughout the summer going out to the woods. You know, my, my parents would go gold panning and fishing and shooting. Um, that's just kind of, I was just our life growing up. And, um, so we spent a lot of time outdoors. And then as we got a little older, my parents got an RV and, uh, we would go on camping trips in the RV or tent camping. And so the adventure lifestyle really was just kind of part of our childhood, like being outside, you know, that's just what we did. It was our normal upbringing. And, um, and so, you know, moving inside of a 45 foot fifth wheel didn't seem too crazy. It seemed kind of like normal. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, there's been so many things. That that was one big thing I wanted to know. And I, I had kind of thought to myself, man, he must have grown up like doing it. For those of you who don't know Shane, can you tell them a little bit of your story of how you were doing basically traditional ministry and talk a little bit about that and how it led you up to selling your house and doing doing what you're doing now? Like what was kind of like your traditional ministry experience background? Yeah, so I got called into into ministry in uh, about 2011, uh, 2012, and um, basically went right into schooling, uh, basically doing online classes, getting my education for understanding what it means to be a pastor. Uh, it's kind of what typically what happens. You get called into ministry, and 
started serving uh, as kind of an assistant youth pastor, uh, then uh, got hired on as an actual youth pastor, did that for a number of years, uh, and then got, uh, got called in the senior pastor ministry, um, did that for about a year and a half. And then uh, we were feeling the call just to really just to downsize, you know, kind of simplify life. And so, you know, ministry for us was our Sunday ministry, like our Sunday church ministry was everything. You know, we had our midweek services or outreach programs, but everything was focused on our Sunday morning. And we were trying to get the question, how do we get people to church? And and it was hard because we're competing, especially in California. You guys, I mean, Ryan, you know this, that California culture is busy. And so you're kind of competing with the busyness of how can I make how can I make church attractive enough where people would choose church over what they're doing on Sunday, whether it's sports, uh, games, different things that are going on. Like there's a lot of stuff that people could choose over church. And so we're trying to figure out how we could make church attractive enough with a low budget, you know, function. And so, you know, for my wife and I, we decided we wanted to maybe maybe not do that. And like, what if we just make a bunch of really attractive Christians uh, not physically attractive, wow. but just, you know, attractive people for Jesus. And, um, and yeah, so that's kind of what prompted the choosing a different lifestyle. But what that led to is obviously something different, even for ministry now. Yeah, I remember um, from 2015 to 2019, I was a youth pastor like yourself at, at Saddleback Church. And I remember clear as day, uh, it was the uh, service following Easter in 2018, and I was in a staff meeting. I love, I loved uh, Rick. I loved the church. I, I didn't, uh, didn't want to leave. Uh, I didn't want any more responsibility than I had. Um, I really liked my life, yeah. and and I remember very clearly sitting in this staff meeting and. Um, the church had just announced their Easter attendance, and it was the the most people that they'd ever had. And I was clapping like everybody else, and all these people had had gotten baptized. And it was this really amazing moment in the worship center. Just the the people that worked there, we had gathered together to celebrate this experience. And it was like as clear as day. I'm in this meeting. Like God was telling me. Um, you're out of here. I'm sending you out of here. And I'm like, what in the world are you talking about? I like it here. I don't want to leave. In fact, God, in fact, I know a hundred people that probably really don't even like working here. Why don't you send one of them? You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I meant it, you know? I, I, why would you put that on my heart? I, I like it here and I don't want to leave and, and um, that was the uh, the beginning of me moving away from something that was centralized and something wonderful and something that I enjoyed. And I also remember being terrified because I was like, the, my only frame of reference for ministry was these larger than life kind of congregations. And I remember just thinking, like talking with God and being like, if I have to like do, if I have to serve you this way, I think I'm going to be awful at it, <laughs> like awful. And um, and I just felt God telling me, no, just 
start small and stay small. Yeah. And I hung hung on to that. And and I didn't even know what it meant at the time. I just – I just felt that in my mind, you know, like in my heart. I just felt like God was saying, no, it's okay, man. Like, I'm not calling you to do this. This is awesome. This is a part of my kingdom. This is it's, this is a part of it. I don't want you to do that, and I don't need you to do that. And I remember just feeling this weight come off of me like, oh, thank you, God, because I, I, I can't. I can't do it this way. This, this, this doesn't. You know me, Lord. I'll, I will not do well at this. Yeah. And um, I just remember feeling this weight come off of me. And I also remember feeling like I also didn't even know what it meant. Because my, you know, there were, I did know how to start small because there were a few times in my life when I had started like Bible studies and I really enjoyed that, you know. And, um, but I just kind of wanted to chat about that for a minute because I think. When you have um, centralized ministry experience, there's a set of expectations that go with that. There's a set of assumptions that go with that. There's a, there's a cultural set of assumptions that go with that. Mm-hmm. And two, when that's all you know, and then you you take a courageous step to you're like, yes, Jesus, yes, your word, yes, disciple making, yes, missions, yes, helping people. No centralization, no large gatherings, no buildings. You, you, you really tease apart the, the parts you want to keep and the parts you want to let go of, you know? And, uh, what, what's that, what's that journey been like for you? You transitioning from one approach to, to another. Oh man, the journey is, that's a, that's a couple hours. Um, but I'll, I will say, you know, to get to the point of where we said yes to the style of ministry or the type of ministry um, that we're doing right now is is willing to abandon really the entire model in which I was I was married to. And yeah. that was really hard, you know, because I was pretty committed. I mean, I know God called me like I had an audible call into ministry. And so I don't ever question that, you know, for some people, they keep really start questioning what whatever that is. And I go, God, I know you called me into this. Um, it's the only time I heard voices in my head and I thought I should go check into an insane asylum. <laughs> like I thought there was something wrong with me and I heard voices in my head. And um, you know, so I didn't I never never questioned that. And so to question the method or the way in which I'm supposed to be serving God, you know, it shook me to the core and had to go right back to his word and, and really figure out what it means to be a quote unquote pastor or a minister of the gospel. And so all that being said, um you know, it was really different. You know, I would say it started with diving into scripture of, of really what it means to be called, mm. you know, serving God. And then and then from there, knowing that, all right, well, maybe I don't need to be married to the model uh, like I am. And and so we would at that point, we were already living in a trailer uh, in an RV, really, because God was already telling us at the same exact time to live simple. And so we had gotten rid of our, mm. uh, our sticks and bricks home uh, in northern California and at the church I was pastoring um, was about 30 minutes away from us. So we wanted to get closer, but we couldn't afford to live in the neighborhood. But because we were married to the model, you know, the senior pastor needs to live, you know, within proximity of the place that they're, you know, they're, they're actually pastoring. And so yeah. a 30 minute drive to just go to a park and sit and work and hopefully to connect with a couple of families um, was a lot of work and not a ton of fruit from it, to be honest with you. 
And so um, I had more people coming to my church from, you know, down in uh, where I was from driving up there. And, and I started asking the question, well, what am I doing wrong? So clearly I need to move up there. I can't afford to go up there, but I can afford to live in a trailer. So I bought the trailer, lived up there and um, <clears throat> went into a different community uh, at that point. We took our trailer. We went into an RV park uh, one time and God revealed this entire ministry field of people um, that is being unreached. For the church so in that we started asking questions well how does the church become the church to a place that has no zip code i mean typically speaking you plan a church or you're going to go pastor somewhere you literally are asking the question and what zip code am i going into and you can do research and look at stats for you know everything in that neighborhood to figure out what kind of ministry you're going to provide you know service opportunities so on and so forth and so for us it was the full-time rv world and so we've quite literally had to think of a different method and so that means we had to go back to scripture again and look at go, well, how are we going to fulfill the Great Commission to a community that has no zip code? And so that's kind of us. That's where it kind of all started. And we had already kind of had the vision of micro church, home church plants at the last church that we were serving in with and never had the opportunity to implement it because we couldn't wow. see two models, you know, and that's yeah. where a lot of the big churches are able to, be able to shift from one model to the other or even small churches where we have to sustain one while we build the other, but we don't have enough manpower to build the other. So we have to just kind of sustain the current. And so for us, it was kind of an easy thing because we closed the church. Um, and for Sarah and I, my wife and I, we said, all right, well, let's pick the model that's actually going to work for this community. And, you know, met some pretty awesome people um, in the process of, of that people that were also doing something similar or have already done it. And so, so, yeah, I mean, that's, I would say that's the, the quickest version I could share that within, but it really started with like just looking at scripture and what the, what the church started out as and who was actually effectively growing the church and effectively seeking out the kingdom. And looking at those examples in scripture allows us to see who's doing that fruitfully, you know, within our context and then knowing that we can still edify one another while we glorify God. Yeah, I love how. <laughs> Like a lot of times in our life, like we'll feel like discontent with something. You know, I remember feeling discontent inside. I remember this. I had this uh, office. Like I said, I was at Saddleback in this beautiful office. Like it was an office I didn't deserve. It had this view I didn't deserve. And I would look out it and I would be like, what am I doing? Like, (laughs) what am I doing? And there was this discontent and there was this discomfort that I had. And then there was also this, this passion that I had. I mean, I wanted to see all of these people that I felt like I was meeting along the way through surfing and traveling and helping people do water and get water and stuff. I was like, how, how could I, how could I, like, they won't fit in all of this, you know? And, and I was like, how can I help them learn about God? And and then it's, it's awesome because I feel like, when we are discontent, we have some discomfort and we lean into our passion. That's how God does something new. Yeah. You know, and, um, but when you don't know any better, there is like, you, you feel this, uh, this risk, you know, like, like you, man, you're like, am I really going to like sell my house? I mean, bro, that's pretty gnarly. That's <laughs> That's pretty gnarly, you know, that's, yeah. how was that? Is that hard? Yeah. I mean, I, I'll say this. That's well, I think what I love is, you know, 
in in the story of the timeline in which God called us into this, we were having two different conversations, and and God does that often really in our in our life. Like we're we were having two two separate conversations. One was we can't afford to, to you know to move into the neighborhood that we're pastoring in, so still called to this. We're committed to this. We we're committed to the method. So we we had to go up there, and the only way to affordably do that was to buy sell our house and buy a trailer and put all of our stuff in a storage unit. And so, and we started really downsizing after God made it really clear that we were not going to be staying stationary in this, you know, this city that we were pastoring. And so, you know, that was, so it was, was good is that God was actually having two separate conversations with us at the same time. Number one, downsize, simplify, you don't need all this stuff. Um, and then number two, he, the, the vision that he had given Sarah and I for, to actually be, you know, pastors to whatever community that we're in. So, you know, the, I would say the easy part was actually selling our house and getting into something smaller because that was just transactional, you know, getting rid of our stuff yeah. and kind of going through that. Once we were in the trailer, you know, we still had our support system. We still had our family. We still had our friends. We still had all that within a 30-minute drive. So we didn't feel like we were losing anything. <clears throat> we decided to say, hey, we're going to do this ministry, but it's also going to require us to not just be in one location, that it became really difficult. Because at that point, that mean that we were we were going to go ahead and close the church, which means I was losing a job. Uh, that means that Sarah would actually have to quit her job and find a remote job because she was she's always kind of support. And we're going to have to lose all of our all of our friend support system, and so all the people, and then also not knowing what our denomination and our church was going to say. Like, can I even remain part of that? So even that last like piece that we were kind of hanging on to of what does this look like? But we don't know. But we know God's called us to it, and so we got to stay committed. To what God's called us to. So, so I would say that even in just those four areas, it's, it was really difficult. Um, that was the process of leaving and going to do something. And for those who've started other churches, right, or gone to other churches, been hired out of state, they know that. But typically speaking, they're going, they're getting right into the next, i.e., support system, whether it's the church. Yeah. Or the yeah. Church, exactly. You know. So for us, we were leaving everything. And we weren't even sure what we were going to find, you know, out in the rest of America. And God has proven himself time and time again that those are the things we don't need to worry about. But, but yeah, so I kind of that answers your question. Well, I love what you said about um, being married to a model, you know, and sometimes we just forget that we're married to Jesus. Like, like, He's, but it gets lost sometimes, and this is a real thing. I mean, I have several friends who, who I could name, I will not, <laughs> that, that when, that when their calling was no longer their career, when their calling was no longer their career, they left Jesus, left the Bible, and left the church. Yeah. And I cannot tell you how disheartening and hard that's been for me to watch. And ultimately, you know, all we do is follow, <clears throat> we follow Christ. But I think, I think part of it is it's just easier to throw it all the, to throw it all away than to deal with nuance, you know, yeah. and, you know, but when you, but yeah, when you really, when you really sit down and you think about your life, um, you know, we love, we love the Lord. We love his word. Um, and 
the, we have to lean into the way that we want to teach other people about him. Yeah. Amen. And, and a lot of times when, when after you've done ministry a certain way, and then it, it's not, go, it's not going the way that you want, or it isn't producing the outcomes that, that you intended and that you wanted. It's easier to just kind of throw your hands up and, and just walk away from the whole thing than, than to deal with the incredible disappointment and, and the nuance of it. Yeah. I've seen, uh, I mean, w- one of the, one of the best things that's happened for me, Shane, you're 30, right? 34. Hey, you're 34. Um, one, one of the best things that's happened to me in the last year has been becoming friends with you, uh, Curtis. Um, I had already known my friend Nico for about four years, but when I, when I transitioned out of, uh, doing ministry one way and then feeling this impression, no, start small and stay small and just lean into that and do that. That's, fits your personality well, you're, you, you know, you're, you're, I'll be with you. I felt like God told me, I'll be with you. Yeah. You know, I'll be 50 next year. <laughs> and one of the, one of the best things that's happened in my life is to develop friends that are with courage and enormous amounts of boldness hmm. and taking huge risk huge risk to carve a new path to be pioneers. Um, I just want to say thanks because seeing, seeing you stay with the Lord, stay with your family, love your kids, um, transition from one paradigm to the other and do it pretty gracefully from my hats off to you. You know, that, that is not, that is not an easy thing to do. Uh, not at all. Yeah. Well, dude, that's, yeah, I can't, I, you know how I feel about you, dude. Like it, there's, <laughs> there's, I wouldn't be in the position without people that can, can encourage you and, you know, champion you and, and what you're doing. And so, you know, you've been, you've been that person for me, Ryan, like <clears throat> that person there, they, when you have, when you have good people, good mentors, good friends, who are championing you for what you're doing for the kingdom out, you know, and, you know, I think, you know, we all, we always look forward to, you know, for that, to that attaboy or that girl that's that pat on the back. Like, man, you're well, doing- we, we need, we need it. We need it. Yeah. But, yeah. It's, but it means something, it means something bigger and deeper when someone gives you that for the kingdom, like, mm-hmm. like you're doing that for the kingdom, like attaboy. And instead of seeing what you've done, for an organization or for, you know, whatever model it is that you're working on, man, I just feels, it feels so much different. And whether it's someone yeah. recognizing, or rec- recognizing the, work, the work that you're doing, um, you know, I'll share that. I'll share the story just because I think it's, it, it definitely is part of what um, compelled me to move more in this direction is I was, uh, I was sitting out in a room with, um, with some other leaders and pastors. I won't, I won't give any names as well, but um, I asked the question like, how, how are you guys making disciples? And, and we, we went around the room and everybody answered the question with what they were doing in their church, whether they were discipling their staff or they were discipling their, you know, uh, their board 
And that was just kind of where they ended with their, their conversation. And so I came back and I said, but how are you making disciples as a person? Like just as a person, how are you discipling people? And no one could answer the question because they were, they were focused on making disciples within the context of their job. And for me, and I just realized, man, I'm, I am doing my job outside of the context of church and I'm failing to do my job in the context of church because I don't want to just make disciples at church. I want to make disciples in my everyday life. Yeah. And I'm, and it kind of just like, for me, it was kind of shaking me because I'm like, I don't understand why none of these other pastors want to do what I'm doing. And, and I read that I realized like they don't have to do because they're not doing anything wrong. And, and I, no. think, and that, and that gave just me the, different, just different. And that gave just me, different. The, um, <clears throat> man, I think I'm just trying to be like everyone else while God is literally speaking to me saying, I created you to be like this. And, you know, I'd go read stories. I'd, I'd read stories on Timothy and I'd read stories on Paul and I'd read stories on Peter. And I'm like, these guys literally were following Jesus at all cost and were forsaking their careers. Yep. Do I need to do the same thing? And I already felt that, like I already forsake, was already forsaking my career because I was already in business management before I call, got called into ministry. So I left the secular world of like managing businesses and owning my own company to go pursue ministry. And so I was like, well, God, I've already done that once. Like, why would you call me to do that again? And he's like, yeah, but you're familiar with that. You can abandon that, that method, right? You're, you're literally married to the method. So, so abandon that. Like I've literally called you into this. And, and it just, again, it made it a lot easier. So transition was rough, but again, the compelling part was listening to other pastors say, I'm not making disciples essentially outside of the context of my, my church job. And I'm going, you know, when you, when, when you've done, when you've served God and you've had some experience serving God, you hear a lot of, you know, ideas and, and, uh, you, you know, you read literature, you read books, you hear a lot of ideas. And I love when people are excited about the way that they're doing ministry. They love the way that they're doing ministry. But I don't like it when they position it as their way is the correct way yeah. to do ministry. I have never felt that starting small and staying small was the correct way to do ministry. I've never, I've never felt that and for me. I mean, for me, for sure. Because when I wake up and pray in the morning, if you, if you know God and you are his word, I got my Bible, right? You know, if you're, in, if you're reading his word, if you're praying every morning and asking the Holy Spirit to guide you, he will show you what you're supposed to do with your life. I've always felt that, but it never got to the place where um, I thought, well, this is this is a a better way to do it or the correct way to do it. Yeah. I I never I never got there in my thinking. Not not one time. I think I think all of, I think all makes and models of ministry, I think they have strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, and and I think a humble person realizes the difference. Yeah. And you know, there are there are strengths 
there are strengths and weaknesses. I will say, I will say, that when I started this newest part of my life four or five years ago now, I did not realize how many people felt the same way. Hmm. I didn't realize it. I wasn't even aware, dude. I thought I was just, uh, I don't know what I thought. <laughs> but, but one of the, one of the beautiful things of, of that has been that there is, there is community if you want it. Yeah. You know, you do have to seek it out. You do have to Absolutely. make it a priority in your life. But there are, and I guess I just didn't know that. I didn't know that there was this uh, kind of this grassroots um, thing that it, I, I'm sure you've encountered this because the, the more you get into like, hey, dude, let's just teach, let's have Bible study with four dudes at a brewery or, or, or um, this campground, like when yeah. you really lean into that, you know, can you, can you, Talk a little bit about how refreshing it has felt for God to use you in the way that you're ministering now and people you've been able to meet. Yeah, I mean, I, I always say, like, dude, like, if you're a relational person, man, I, like, you can do so much for the kingdom, you know, and I, I would say pretty much everyone I know is relational. So even if you're, like, a crazy introvert, like, I don't like people, I don't want to be around people, you know that you can still connect and <clears throat> And like you've got a gift god is you know gives you favor and you know different things and so that's why i would say like you know identifying who you have favor with and so if you're a guy you probably have favor with men <clears throat> if you're a chick like you've probably got some favor with other women and you know yeah. if you sports then you've got favor with people that like sports and if you um yeah. you know tattoos you got favor with, i mean god gives you favor with people in your likeness and so yes and uh in all that like you know, the life, the lifestyle that we live is conducive to people that are trying to usually you're escaping your current reality to get out in the middle of nowhere to just like, you know, experience nature or whatever. And so for a lot of the campers, that's kind of what we see. Um, and then like the full timers, which, you know, it's the, in the RV world, uh, it's grown uh, 225% in the last two years. Like that's such a rapid growth for the amount of people um, that are living this lifestyle like they're looking for community too. And so you can always tell someone that wants to talk because they'll be outside their camper most of the day. And then you walk by and say, Hey, and then they kind of turn and they can position just their physical posture towards you. And they're just looking yeah. at conversation, like just to ask the question, how are you doing? You know, to hear a story. And so, so that's been a lot of what our ministry is like, you know, just taking the dogs on a walk or going to the park and seeing other kids play and, you know, meeting other parents and, um, inviting people over for fire or, you know, just to sit around and have s'mores or do whatever, like, it's just all invitation. And so then the people that you meet, you know, you're quick to ask questions <clears throat> and then they're, and then they get to hear your story. And for us, like our stories are all based around what God has been doing in our life, whether it's today, yesterday, this year, like we're going to share what we know God is doing. And that's the art of being a good storyteller. You know, I can tell you a thousand different things that I'm doing, but if I could say, Hey, God has been doing this in my life. Well, now people are starting to look at the author and they don't even know who the author is. And so yeah. I'm not just the storyteller anymore right now. I'm actually talking to, you know, people about the author. <clears throat> anyway, that's kind of like where we kind of start and, you know, it leads to great discussions. And 
Uh, people ask a lot of questions of how can you be a pastor if you live in a trailer and have no location? And then we get to, ask, <laughs> we get to answer those questions of like, well, you know, maybe being a pastor, you know, isn't being the guy that's always speaking up front on Sundays. You know, maybe there's a lot more to that. So unpacking yeah, that. Yeah. Um, well, one of the, one of the benefits of having traveled, I've traveled quite a bit. The three, the three most uh, populated countries in the world, China, India, and Indonesia, uh, for the most part, none of those countries and cultures have church buildings. Yeah. And the church is doing great. It's doing great. Uh, <clears throat> problem is, is, us American pastors, we don't always do the best job of learning from people that aren't Americans. <laughs> I mean, God forbid that we go learn from an Indian pastor, or God forbid we go learn from a Chinese pastor, or God forbid we go learn from an Indonesian pastor, which I'm going to do next year. I'm not going there to teach. I'm going there to learn. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, so it has, it has to do with like, you know, um, but tell us, tell us about um, gathering of nomads, you know, what it is you're doing. Yeah. And well, how you're, how, how you're doing it. Yeah. So uh, in short, like, I would say this, like, we never wanted to call it anything. Like, we just were just going to be, like, missionaries and stuff. And we were just going to go because we knew what God called us to do. And God began revealing, like, hey, if you're going to do this, like, you can't just focus on what it is that you're doing for the sake of you. Like, you got to seek first my kingdom. And so that might mean thinking about the next generation of disciples and the next generation of people that are going to do it, too. And so... Um, so after meeting with you and uh, some other people, like just asking those questions, well, what does it look like to create a network of things? And so there's kind of a two part series, if you want to call it that, that God started working on. So the first one was Shane, Sarah, the Boyd family, like y'all are going to be missionaries to the RV world. OK, so what does that look like? Wow. And then the second part was, by the way, can also build a network of other people. So that way, the other people that are called into it still have koinonia, like they still need fellowship and community on the road. So how do you figure out how do you bridge those two things together and can they work simultaneously? So we had to come up with a name. So gathering nomads was the name. Um, I like most of it. Um, it's, it's more action driven. Uh, that's what we're doing. Love people it. that live like nomads. And so we are the gathering nomads, right. Let's just make it simple. Um, and then kind of similar to ocean water, right? Like, Hey, let's just keep it simple. dude. So everything's around ocean water. And so let's keep it simple. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we didn't want to call ourselves a church. Um, we didn't want to have a bunch of sprinkled in uh, names that had a lot of uh, uh, preconceived notions to it. And so <clears throat> the church and they think of what, what time is your service? You know, what's your children's ministry? What's your youth ministry? I mean, there's all the questions that go with it. And so we, uh, we said, okay, if we want to do that. Then let's just call ourselves a missionary, but we'll be like the first chapter. And that kind of then spurred on the conversation of, chapters okay so what if we just all called ourselves chapters instead of all missionaries and so you know in the in the organization we call ourselves the boyd chapter it's our last name and then we just call ourselves chapters because we're all gathering nomadic people for the kingdom and amazing so in that so we've got um you know that's what we call <laughs> other chapters that are out in the world doing the same exact thing that we're doing that live full-time in rvs and essentially we we answer the question how will we fulfill the great commission through the gift that God has given us. So instead of me telling people what to do, we're leaning heavily on what scripture says they should be doing and their gift mix. 
Um, and we live, we kind of lean on the APEST understanding of that uh, in Ephesians 4. And so we just look at Ephesians 4, and then we answer the question, how are we going to do that? Uh, you know, fulfill the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 20. Um, how do we stay focused, Matthew 6, 33? And knowing that it's not always up to us, Acts 1, 8, like you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you'll be my witnesses into J.S. and Mary and to the ends of the earth. And so knowing that that's the focus all the time and that God is going to work through you because of your yes and your obedience, that you don't have to be, right, you don't have to be the guy teaching. You know, you don't need to be the uh, the prophetic guy who's also getting or all these words. Um, or you're not being um, an evangelist all the time. You know, you're not always having to be an apostolic visionary person, whatever that may look like. We teach people that they need to fulfill the Great Commission. <laughs> Well, the, 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 goal, the goal is always disciples making disciples and churches planting churches, even if they're not, even if you don't use those terms. Yep. And so I love what you've done because there's been one instance that I can speak from. Adam Watts and I, um, Adam's a, a three-stripe black belt in uh, jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And for years, for years, he's been asked to go to Camp Pendleton, which is a 55,000 person Marine base right next to San Clemente to, to train. Um, he'll speak, he'll, he'll train, uh, different guys. And they have a lot of them come to his gym. And, and two years ago, we were asked by the chaplain at Camp Pendleton to come onto the base to be volunteer chaplains. And Adam and I were like, well, how do we, how do we start a church for people that don't want to be called disciples and don't want to be called churches? <laughs> using, using the, the thing that you're great at that they will respect. You know, you have 55,000 and I think it's 54,000 men or 50,000 men. There's not a lot of women on Camp Pendleton. Yeah. And, and it's all about, you know, who's the biggest, who's the baddest. So Adam got asked to, to train 30, 30 guys one day, you know, in a workshop. And Adam's a, he's about five, nine. If, if you don't, he looks like you could fight him, but they don't understand. He's like, good, uh, He's a technician. Yeah, I mean, so he he had 27, 27 Marines lined up uh, to fight him. Because uh, somebody said, oh, I you know, I can kick your ass and, you know, how guys are. Yeah. And in one by one, he submitted 27 in a row. And after that, Word spread on Camp Pendleton. Hey, there's this guy in town who nobody, who nobody can beat up. Basically, I mean, he used to be a professional fighter as well, so he's he actually knows how to fight. And so, myself and the chaplain and Adam were joking around about this. How are we going to start this church? And so we came up with the name Grapple Chapel. And Adam, Adam leads it. And Adam shows up, and they do and he, they do jujitsu for two hours, and then he has a Bible study after. Every single time, every single time, there's a few to sometimes upwards of twenty guys 
And the level of sharing that happens and the level of community that happens after you fought for two hours and then people crack a beer and start talking about what's really going on in their life. Well, what's really going on in your life is men don't trust each other. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about why why we as men don't trust each other. Yeah. And and the average guy not only doesn't trust one other man, the average guy doesn't have one other man he looks up to. Whoa. Now, we call it grapple chapel and chaplains, and that's what you're doing well, is you're using the right – you're not using language that trips people up. Yeah. A lot of times we're using language and all it's doing is making it difficult for people to understand what it is we're trying to tell them. And I want to, and I want to tell you something. You have, you have the best content. You got the Bible. You have an amazing culture, dude. You have an amazing culture. What you've chosen to do with your life, with your wife and your kids, your culture of RVing is unbelievable. And you have contacts. Yeah. You've got you've got contacts all over the country. And I just want to say, keep going, bro. Like, bro, your content, the Bible, your culture is amazing. You're you're inviting people into it. And can and I mean, I don't think you've been you haven't even been doing this for a year, have you? Nope. So technically, we uh, the yeah. came in in October and January, and so we're seven months in. So you're out, you're out doing your thing. And, and what have you seen God do? I mean, the last time I talked to you, there had been a, a half a dozen or a dozen people that you had interacted with in this short amount of time that were basically like, dude, I want to be in your tribe. I want to, <laughs> I want to be in your tribe. And yeah. well, I will say this, man. I mean, the, the wonder of social media is, is great, right? We use, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm never good at it. Um, but I've been able to network and that's really cause we're, you know, we live kind of like a nomad, right? That's the idea. And so staying mm-hmm. connected, you know, Paul wrote letters to the churches, right? He wrote letters and we yeah. have, we have those documented letters. And so how much easier is it now? We don't have to send even snail mail. <laughs> we get to go email and then we don't have to do that. We could go to zoom or we have Facebook or Instagram. <clears throat> the great thing is we have these platforms to connect. And so, you know, there's a number of people that we connected with um, early on that were interested, but again, we're hung up on the method, right? They were married to the method. They go, well, we haven't gone to church in X amount of years. And, and specifically, and there's one of the first people we met. Um, this was probably, I'm going to go ahead and say it was September uh, last year. Uh, this lady named D. she goes, I haven't, I've been full-time in for the last seven years and I haven't been to church in seven years. Haven't had church. I watch church online and it's just not the same thing. And then COVID made it worse. <clears throat> And I was like, well, I don't know how COVID made it worse. You weren't going to church. And she goes, no, but then all the online content, they were trying to make it towards people sitting at home. And I just didn't know how to interact with people online. And they wanted us to answer questions through chats. And she goes, it just wasn't, you know, online church just became weird for her at that point. Because she knew what she was watching, but then all of a sudden people were engaging with her. And um, we had prayed with her and she talked with us about all these different things that she's experienced and, and her church hurt, you know, and why she didn't attend and she goes, um, you know, I just would say start off by calling yourself a chaplain um, because 
I didn't know you were a pastor until about 40 minutes into our conversation. And it's the only reason I was able to open up. As soon as I found out you were a pastor, I didn't want to talk to you anymore. And I go, whoa, man, I, you know, that kind of hurt, that stung a little bit. And so ever <clears> since <throat> I've, I've introduced myself as a chaplain, I don't really ever introduce, introduce myself as a, as a pastor anymore. Um, and, um, and in that, that, that kind of, you know, inspired some of the, the, the method shift for sure of, all right, I'm not going to, I'm not going to function in this pastor mentality. <clears throat> I need to disconnect from that. And so since then, the reason why we've had people joining our tribe is that I'm not inviting them to become a pastor, right? Because then their stigmas and the introduction isn't, well, that means I have to go get a degree. I've got to go to college. I got to get, got to get yeah. my degree. Um, yeah. I have to speak on Sunday. I have to get in front of everybody. I'm not a big public speaker person. I don't want to run a staff. I don't want to have to run an organization. And so having a conversation of, well, do you want to just be a, you know, a person who follows Jesus and then invites other people to do the same thing? How does that sound? And people are, I mean, they love it. They're excited to go serve Jesus, but to know that they get it, they can get a title. That doesn't mean all these other things that they can come up with. Right. And, and in that, that they're first and foremost, like they answer to Jesus. They don't even, even technically even answer to me. Um, they have to answer some questions for me every single, every single month. But again, even that, like, and so right now we have seven chapters. We've got three more chapters in the works. Um, that should be essentially official chapters in the next month or two. And what I love about it is that they are on fire for Jesus and they are answering first and foremost to him. And which is great because they're not, they're not riding my tail or my flame or my excitement for the Lord or what God is doing in me first and foremost. Like they have to have weekly God stories, like weekly God stories, like not just like having a God story once a year, but like if you don't have bold enough faith, like where is it at? And that's your faith, not my faith, right? That's not your testament. That's just what God is asking you to do. And so those are the questions that we get to ask, and, you know, we get to answer those things. And it's not because I, you have to answer to me. It's just that that's what we should have. We should have bold faith stories every single week in our life. Amazing, dude. I mean, um, yeah, I just see, I see God just all, all over what you're doing. It's, awesome to watch it's awesome to see the fruit of you taking a lot of risk and let's talk uh, about the uh, it's, it's incredible and, and i've and i've told you before i there are just so many people that want to be a part of what you're talking about hmm. and and i'm really i pray for you i pray for you this morning I'm stoked for you. And let's, let's talk for a second about like, okay, what does like a normal day look like? Like I'll speak for myself. I mean, I'm a, I'm a special education teacher, uh, at a, at a public school. Um, I don't, obviously I don't introduce myself, uh, as Pastor Ryan unless, uh, I, I never really called myself that when I was in those settings. Anyways. Yeah. Um, for because I felt like it made people feel uncomfortable, or maybe I just felt uncomfortable. Who knows? <laughs> but um, I here's an example. Uh, I've been at the school now for a few months, and the guy that I'm teaching with, he he uh, comes up to me last week and he goes, he goes, um, are you a man of faith? I go, yeah. Yeah, definitely, bro. 
And he's like, I go, are you? He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, as I'm getting older, I'm like thinking about God more. And I go, that's awesome. He, he's, he's working in your life and making you think about that. And, and, um, now every day we're becoming better friends. He asked me to uh, go surfing with him and his daughter and my granddaughter and, and you could just see how God's just working through this, this friendship, you know, it's like, I mean, it took me like probably five months of just being his friend and like working hard and like showing up like five minutes early to work and like basic, just, just basic work ethic stuff. Yeah. Just basic, like, Show up early, leave late, you leave late. Just basic, you know, working hard, um, being a team guy. All, all where you kind of like people's walls. Um, that that's one example of of someone who has really opened up to me that I feel like I'm have making a difference in in their life. Um, the office manager also told me that she's like so glad. Just a lot of like compliments. You know, I feel like when you're doing like when you're trying to, you know, make disciples and raise people that people may wonder about like the day to day for me, it's just like, just being a good dude and teaching good and, and being fun and being courteous. I mean, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I just feel like there are misconceptions about what it means to do ministry. Yeah. Well, dude, I mean, number one, like you think about, we think about stuff as jobs all the time and, it all comes back down to the calling. Like you have a job, right? As a teacher, like you have a literal job that you have to get done, you know, Monday through Friday, you know, whatever your schedule is, like, you know what your job is. You have to teach, you have to write curriculum, whatever that may look like. And and I say that more in the bulk of what teachers do that may not be exactly what you're doing, but in the yeah. reality of it, like in the reality of, of jobs, for most of the people that are, you know, in the world, they have a Monday through Friday to five job or whatever their set schedule is. And so they have a, a task at hand. But ministry specifically becomes less of less of the job and more of the opportunity. And and I think oh, that yeah. you have to yeah. seek out the opportunity, right? And so that's kind of the I mean the question that I'm asking myself pretty much all day long is, okay, God, are you giving me an opportunity here? And again, that's not for me. That's not for me to do my job. That's not because I need to report back to somebody. That's like, is this an opportunity? <clears throat> And the reason why we, I quote Matthew 6.33 so often is seeking first, you know, seek first his kingdom and everything else will be added unto you. Like quite literally that what Jesus is talking about in that verse is like, you are worried about so much, but stop. Seek first the kingdom and everything <laughs> else you need is like, it's going to come towards you. Like it doesn't, it doesn't need to even, even have to worry about these things. And so, you know, for me, I, I, I have to constantly remember that. Like, God, are you giving me an opportunity here for your kingdom? You know, it's not my job. Like if, if anyone's my boss at this point, it's just Jesus. And, and I'm grateful for that. So, you know, talking about like your friend, you know, the person, your, your coworker, the guy you're teaching with, but I could share probably a, a hundred different stories of people that we've either met. God's given us some sort of favor or some sort of opportunity, but I will share at least, um, I'll just share about a couple of people, a couple of families that we met in uh, Tennessee and Kentucky. And, uh, we pulled into a campground. I was supposed to pull into a spot. I, I was eyeballing this one spot and I thought I was going to take it. And, um, and something told me like, now nah, you got to go park up a little further. 
And I mean, the two sites that we're looking at were identical. So there's no reason why I needed to choose. I could have just backed in that one and called it a day. And um, come to find out, um, you know, less than 24 hours later, there's going to be a couple pulling in uh, with five kids that were going to need some help with some electrical on their electrical box. And I just happened to be popping out right when they were backing in. And then in that, wow. I was to another family and then two other families. And so in that one moment, um, I was to, at this point, three other families, all with kids. And uh, three days later, we were having a Bible study in their tent and <clears throat> talking about Jesus, praying healing and reconciliation over one of the, one of the couple's marriages. And God just began, I mean, speaking in all these various ways. And fast forward, I mean, I could, again, I could share all the different fellowship within that time frame. But then fast forward three weeks later, um, we were, we were, we had to leave, uh, cause where we stay, we only stay for 21 days. And as we were leaving, the couple said, you know, one of the couple that we had just been praying over, they said, Hey, I think we might follow you guys to the next spot. And so they followed up us up to the next spot into Kentucky. And then another family followed us up to Kentucky. And we had even more of those moments of fellowship and just so much like favor within at that point, six weeks time. We had spent so many evenings together praying, uh, movie nights, <laughs> celebrated birthdays uh, for kids. Like it just was that real nitty gritty thing. And at the end of our time together, you know, one of the couples walks up and just said, you know, we really, we really love Jesus and everything that you've been showing us. We want to do it too. Like, what does that look like? Wow. And I not even talked about gathering nomads to any extent really at this point with them. We were just doing life together. And, um, and so they're they're a chapter with Gathering Nomads right now. And when I say like they love Jesus, it's so you know it's those types of stories of just like man, if you just had bold faith for three weeks with someone, would God give you another three weeks and then allow someone? Oh, I want to do that too. Like I want to do what you're doing for Jesus. And you know that's encouraging to me because like I don't think I'm doing anything special. I'm just doing what God told me to do. But the reality is is that the kingdom had everything to benefit from that. Like I gained nothing from that. Like, yeah, no benefit at all. But what what the kingdom gains, what Jesus gains from that is now a whole set of hands, you know, husband and wife and two kids that are going to chase after Jesus with everything they have. And and that's what we should be after. Right. And so anyway, that's one of my. Uh, yeah, I mean, no, I 100 percent. And I and I love how I mean, what I heard from you is like just just being being someone's friend. It's like being there for him and making a connection and just being there for people. Um, I, I, when I, in 2010, I went, I rode my bicycle for a year and I wrote a little, a little travel book that you can read in about, I don't know, 90 minutes or two hours or whatever. And I don't really uh, ask some out much, it's like not my thing. I've had people be like, "You need to like go down to the bookstore." I'm like, "That's not me, bro. Like, I, that's not anybody who knows me, and it's not me." I do have um, like a box. I don't have any more. And every once in a while, I will feel like I'm supposed to give one to someone. And it kind of comes in ways. Like it, it'll happen a bunch, and then well, it had probably been I don't know, like eight months since I'd given anybody one. And yesterday I'm thinking about the guy that I work with. And I really felt like 
hey, yeah. you, need, you need to give this, you need to give this to Todd because we've been talking about surfing and he's like super into motorcycles and, and this past weekend he, he rode two days in a row and he's like, I just, it had been years and we were talking about bikes and motorbikes and surfing and being outside and, and I thought, all right, I need to, I need to like give this to him. Yeah. So on the back, it talks about the, some of the water work we've done in El Salvador. I gave it to him today and he's like, he goes, dude, this guy that I've known, one of my closest friends for like 20 years is from El Salvador. And he's like, thank you so much for helping those people. Awesome. And I was like, yeah, bro, no problem. <laughs> so that, when stuff like that, when you see God working in people's lives, like the way you are, that's like what it's all about. Yeah. It's so, it's so, because yeah, I mean, you're a really sharp guy and I know you have a vision for uh, ministry and that's exciting, but like the heart of it is this stuff. Yeah. That we're talking about. It's just like, wow, that was like, that was awesome to, yeah. to just see, to just see God use that little gesture and you, you like, went and helped his family with their electrical panel and it turned into this huge friendship. And, um, it's, it's awesome. It's exciting. And we need, we need more of, we need more people to feel like they can be used by God to teach people about him wherever they're at, wherever they're at, whether they're in a classroom or in a campground or wherever. And, well, I think that's the. Uh, that, I, I feel a lot of hope. I feel a lot of hope when I hear you. When I hear you share, bro, it's awesome. No, thanks. Well, yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's the. That's the vision, really. For I would say that 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 all of us have to catch on to. Really, again, it's not our vision. It's not you know. It's not yours. Yeah. It's just the fact that God is calling people out of whatever, whatever it is that they're doing, and into seeking first. Amen. Reason. And if if we can do that. You could do that. You don't have to give up your job. You don't have to give up your title. You don't have to leave and sell all your stuff and live in an RV. Like, you don't, those are the things that you don't have to do. You could or you could not. Yeah. Yeah. You could, but like, yeah. You've got, you've already been given favor in your workplace. You've already been given favor in so many places. And so I just always tell people, man, start with your hobbies and the things that bring joy to your life or bring it back to your roots. Like, Ryan, for you, it's surfing. For us, it's camping. For some people, it's going to be riding bikes. And for some people, it's going to be going to yeah. sports. Like there are so many things that people do that they have no idea that God's given them a passion for and he's given you favor within that community. And so if you could just seek first the kingdom and know that you've got favor in all these other sub communities, like, bro, you could blow up the kingdom tomorrow. And, and that's, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this has been so much fun. We're, we'll definitely, you and I can, we just jive, man. Um, Episode two. How can, how can, how can people, how can people find out about what you're doing? Uh, do you have like uh, somewhere people can find out information about gathering of nomads? Uh, you can just find my air tag and follow me around the world. No, um, 
Yeah, you can, uh, we we do have a website, even though we're you know we're we're super hokey living in a in a travel trailer and stuff. But um, now we have a website. It's called GatheringNomads.com. Um, you can check that out. It's kind of got some good little a cool little video about what we're doing. And you can also meet all the other chapters. Like again, we just call ourselves chapters, and you can hear their stories and what they're doing. It's they're so cool. Like the people that are doing this, like with us, are some of the raddest people you'll ever meet. And so yeah. um, you can check that out. You can follow their social media and the stuff that they're doing. Um, and yeah, you can check that out. And then, you know, we always tell people like, you know, if you want to, if you want to pray for us and what you're doing, you can join our little newsletter and, and just pray for all the different things that are happening on the road. Cause there's a bunch of, I mean, there's millions of people that live in travel trailers and vans and stuff across the U S so lots of praying for them. Pray for Shane, get involved. This has been awesome, man. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. Dude, yeah. episode 254, man. I'll tell you right now, 54 specifically is a is a number that's been in my life forever. And so I feel blessed that, I don't know, just always been like constant numbers, um, time, the, just the, the time, 54, uh, comes up a lot. Talk to my wife. I'm always like, I hope I'm not dying at 54. I don't die in the year 2054. I have no idea. But um, it's just been a number, dude. And so... I saw that episode number. I'm like, okay, God, there's that number again. Yeah, you like my you like my fancy my fancy graphic in the background. <laughs> Bro, it's fitting. I like it. It is exactly what is needed. Also, I just I feel honored to be on one of your episodes, bro. Uh, I just like I just like there's two there's two things I enjoy. Uh, I enjoy teaching the Bible. I enjoy talking to my friends and I feel like people need uh, the Bible and they need friends. And so that's why I do Bible teachings and I like to talk to my friends. That's, that's behind it. I feel like it helps. I feel like it helps people. And I think, thanks for taking the the time to talk to me, brother. Can I share one, one last encouraging thing? Yeah, of course. The one thing I'll say that um, in 2018, I was sitting with Jesus on my back patio. I was dealing with crazy depression and a, a high level of uh, panic attacks and anxiety attacks that I had no idea what they were. I thought I was having many heart attacks left and right. And um, and I sat down with Jesus on my patio table and I was just, it was I was probably on hour four just going through scripture, just asking God to speak to me because I needed some sort of relief. Um, and I'm a fixer. And I stumbled upon Colossians um, and it was in Colossians 4 and specifically in Colossians 4, I don't have any of my notes, so I'm just kind of going off memory here. So don't shoot if I don't if I don't quote scripture correctly here, but um it says something along the lines of like I didn't I didn't come to to like, you know, just to fulfill the law, but to set you free from it. And as I'm reading through this, I'm like, like Jesus is like, that's your law. And so asking that question or trying to answer that question of like, this is your law. And I'm like, well, what is my law? And I realized that my schedule was my law. And God wow. was set me free from that. And so in that one moment, I mean, I was, my, my schedule was set from sun up to sundown. I knew everything I was doing. I could share it with anyone. You could find out where I was at. And I didn't realize how much I was fulfilling my own law, which was my schedule. And so in that moment, like Jesus set me free uh, from that. And so just know that like, no matter what God has called you to, or uh, me to, or anyone to like, there's a chance that you're, you know, in some sort of chains that Jesus is trying to set you free from. And so just answering that question, like, I don't know why when you're talking, God put that on my heart to share that, but 
if someone's someone's listening to this episode of just like realize that Jesus literally came to set you free. And so if you were trapped in some sort of law, whatever that may be, that God came to set you free from it. So anyway. Good word, brother. Thank you. Got it. It's good stuff. Got to do it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, Shane. Thank you. Thanks, man. I'm going to stop recording.